Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Um, One of the more important ones topically because this is something that everyone has a relationship with and will save Literally save lives, save relationships, save mental health. We're going to talk about self, self-soothing ways to deal with difficult times with our emotions. Um, this is something that few people have down, and something we all struggle with. It's it's an ongoing piece of work, and um, it's what leads to a lot of violence, a lot of breakups, um, a lot of relational damage and destruction. So, ooh, put on your seatbelts. It's an important one. Uh, I've talked a little bit about this, but we're going to do a whole show on it. Um, DMs always open. So if you got some DMs for us, put them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, y'all, let's jump in. So a thousand things. Um, I want us first to identify this in ourselves before we start pointing the finger and looking at a partner. Um, the key factors that really help us begin to zero in on who we are in the world and what our work is, is how we are, how we act, what we say, what we do during difficult times. That is probably one of the best demonstrations of your mental health. When things are going swimmingly and things are easy and things are comfortable, how you act and respond isn't as meaningful because it's easy. I say that all the time on the show. When things are easy, it's easy. Great. Enjoy that. But how we deal with things when they're difficult or complicated or when they're hard or when we're let down or disappointed or frustrated or we're mad, that is where our mental health is shown. And we somehow think that it doesn't count and we want to be let off the hook and we're like, yeah, but I was really upset. I was mad. Yeah, exactly. That's why it mattered more. But somehow we think that like it doesn't matter what we do in those times. And it's like, yeah, no, no, everything counts. If you walk away with nothing from tonight's show, although I hope it's more than just this one thing, know that everything counts. It does count how you act and what you say and do when you're angry or disappointed. But somehow, again, people want to pass. Yeah, I was really upset that day. Okay, and so <laughs> that's when these skills are most needed. So, and I hope you learn a lot more than just that from tonight's show, but we'll go with that. And as I, as I talk further, you're going to start to identify a lot of people in your life, but I want you to identify in yourself where your work is. So first we're going to talk about what is emotional regulation. And then we're going to talk about the ways to get towards it and, and, and what to practice. Cause with everything in mental health, it's a practice. People still think that therapy is coming into the session for an hour and just venting. There's nothing, there's nothing meaningful in that. Yes. This idea of processing has some value and yes, it's transformative and healing to have someone sit before you and to process with you and hold that space. But around relational stuff, what matters more is what you go and do out in the world based on your learning and realizations within therapy. You go practice being a better relational person. That does not come from just sitting in the office venting. People don't realize that therapies work. Examining yourself, engaging in new behaviors, and taking that out into the world and applying it. The work doesn't happen in my office. It's what you go and do out in the world, 100%. 
It's like learning a skill in, in school or a trade school. Great sitting in class talking about how you might fix a car, cook a meal, do a haircut, but it's what you go do when you're actually at the the salon or in the um, restaurant. The application of those skills is what really matters. That's what it's about. You're preparing for that. So that's your big moment. So when we talk about emotional regulation, we're talking about three factors, and these are the best ways to assess where the work begins. It's about sensitivity, reactivity, and the time it takes to return to balance or equilibrium. So let's break each one of those down. Sensitivity means how sensitive are you? How easy is it for you to get upset about something? And for some people, it's very easy. It's like there's landmines every five steps and they're constantly upset about something multiple times throughout the day. They're super sensitive. Everything upsets them. Everything throws them off. It's always something. They're just sensitive. People, people walk on eggshells around you and you don't want that. You don't want people to not trust that you're an adult or you're regulated enough where you can get through a day or an experience without getting upset about everything. How sensitive are you? How easy is it to upset you? How often are you upset? That's the sensitivity piece. Yeah, we should be able to go days without being upset or angry about something. Shocking to some people because they're upset about everything. They're hypersensitive. They don't like the way you put the dishes in the dishwasher. They don't like the way you just looked at them. They don't like the fact that you were running late. They don't like what it is you brought home for dinner. And it just goes on and it goes on and everything's an issue. They're always upset. Everything's always a problem. That is someone who in the three points of emotional regulation and mental health, they struggle the most with sensitivity. Identify that in yourself, or you can identify in other people, but it doesn't matter if others have that issue. We are here to work on ourselves. And that's why I say to my clients in therapy, uh, this might be your partner, family member, friend, boss, teacher, whoever it might be. We can't change other people's behavior. We can ask and make requests for things to be different, but the work is really about you, how you do this, how you don't do this, how you manage this. So that's the first point. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about the next one, but I really want to bring home that first point about sensitivity. Um, it doesn't feel comfortable to not be able to trust that people will deal with their triggers very easily. And the issue isn't the trigger, the presence of a trigger. The issue is the way we deal with and react and respond to them. That's where the work is. We want to dismantle them. We want to take the energy and power out of them. We want to remove them from existence. So that's the work sensitivity. All right, we're going to come back and talk about the other levels of emotional regulation so we know where our work is, and then we'll talk about how do we then go about regulating ourselves. This is one of the most important skills for anyone in any kind of relationship of any kind, and also for mental health. This is where it's really shown. So uh, stick around. We'll be talking about that. All right, y'all, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. Stick around because we'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we're back, and we're talking about one of the most important parts of being a relational being on this planet, and one of the most important parts of mental health is emotional regulation. How emotionally regulated are you? Because if you aren't, you're making yourself miserable, you're making everyone else miserable, and you're not really living a high-quality life. So the first thing we were talking about is sensitivity. How sensitive are you? How easily upset are you? How often are you upset? That is sensitivity. Identify that that might be you and say to yourself, I have to let some things go. Later in the show, we'll talk about how to deal with these things, but just kind of dropping some of the little seeds. If you're sensitive and upset about everything, you got to learn to let things go. Not everything can be an issue. Yes, you have to let things slide. Yes, you have to roll with the punches. Yes, you can't make everything a problem. That burns people out and we exhaust ourselves. So if you realize that you're that person, work on that. Make life easy for yourself. Don't make life so hard for yourself and those around you. No one wants to be around someone where we always feel like we're walking on eggshells because we never know it's gonna upset you and everything does. The second piece is reactivity. When you're upset, how intense are your responses and your reactions? Because some people, they're very sensitive, but it's a low-level response and reaction. For some people, they're very sensitive, where it's always something, and they have high-level responses, things that are well beyond the appropriateness based on what happened. So that's the question. Sensitivity, but then reactivity. How big are your responses? Is everything a level 10? Are you always melting down? Are you always having over-the-top dramatic responses? And don't make it okay by saying, oh, this is why that's, it doesn't matter. It's not fun to be around. It's exhausting. It makes relationships in life hard. It's hard for you. So how sensitive are you? And then when you're upset, when you're triggered, when you're frustrated, when you're mad, when you're angry, how reactive are you? How big are your responses? Because part of the work we'll talk about later in the show is making our responses appropriate and, and, and really aligned with the severity of what happened. Because most people just crank everything up. Everything's a 10, everything's a 15. And it's like, dear God, like what do you do when real things happen that are bad or wrong or violent? And we'll talk more about that. And again, this isn't always our fault. Yes, we practice these things, thereby keeping us primed to be hypersensitive and very reactive. And we have to practice cranking it down and letting it go and practice all this self-soothing regulation skills we're gonna talk about later. That's your work, you gotta do that. It doesn't matter why or where, that's your work. But when we wanna clarify and understand, it's a thousand things. Were you raised in a family of origin where that was what everyone else did and no one ever taught you how to do this work? Maybe you've dealt with some real severe traumas that have really set you up to be sensitive and to seek and find what's wrong. But at the same time, it doesn't matter for the quality of your life or your mental health. You have to do this work regardless of why it's in place, regardless of why it happens. Because otherwise you're gonna find yourself very lonely and um, you're gonna be hard, hard, it's hard on yourself. 
The third piece, because it's sensitivity, it's reactivity. And the third piece is how long does it take you to chill out? How long does it take you to get back down to zero? How long does it take you to get back to equilibrium? Those are the three factors. Um, because some people, it's the whole day's ruined. The whole day is now ruined because something went wrong in the morning. They're sensitive, so of course something upset them. They're reactive, so of course it was a huge response and it takes them forever to chill out and so the whole day is ruined now. That is not a sign of mental health. We have to learn how to compartmentalize it and be like, okay, that's right now. That happened here in this parking lot. It can stay in the parking lot. Oh, I, you know, I, did, I spilled coffee on my shirt this morning. It should stay in that moment or stay in the morning. It doesn't have to leak out. A bad moment doesn't have to be a bad morning. A bad morning doesn't have to be a bad day. A bad day doesn't have to be the entire weekend or trip is ruined. That's about coming back to zero. We want to learn how to do that. Deal with it in the moment and then we let it go. So ask yourself, how sensitive am I? When I'm upset, how reactive am I in my responses? And then how long does it take me before I can bring myself back down? And for some people, they have work to do in all three factors because everything's upsetting to them, always a big response, and it takes them forever to get over it. Don't be that person. And again, we're looking at ourselves before we're pointing the finger and applying this to how other people are existing or moving through the world. Ask yourself, which of those three levels do I have to work on? And maybe the answer is all of them. You're doing this work for you and you're doing this work for other people, but it's hard for us to realize we need to do this. And sometimes we have to be a good friend or a good partner and help those in our lives understand this concept and that they have work to do around this. Letting them know that you feel like you're always on eggshells when you're around them. You're unsure what's going to set them off. And so you withhold sharing things with them or you don't feel safe spending a lot of time with them. Or their reactions scare you. It feels very intense and it doesn't always feel safe. And it doesn't always feel good to be on the receiving end of it. So again, you avoid them or don't bring things up. Thereby distance, no intimacy. Or they ruin the whole day or the whole trip and so you don't really want to go anywhere with them. Or again, you don't want to spend a lot of time with them. And that's part of this. If you're someone who doesn't have a lot of friends and you yearn for more socialization and more friends, is it because you're not safe to be around? You work on these things. People will value their time with you. They'll feel safer being around you and with you. This matters. Make it count. So those are the three parts, sensitivity, reactivity, and time to equilibrium. Um, let me, okay. Because again, what we often want to do is think that the problem is what happened versus realizing a lot of times the problem is actually just our response to it. And that if we had a lower level, more appropriate or more neutral response, it wouldn't really matter. Because a lot of times these things don't matter for people that are really sensitive and reactive. It's often around the smallest things because they prime themselves and practice being that way. And so it's so accessible. And we want to do the opposite. We want to pro we want to practice letting things go, being calmer, and coming back to zero sooner. Um, because remember, the goal is always about that relationship, whoever it is you're with in the moment. It's not about who's right. It's not about who's wrong. It's not about correcting reality. It's about staying connected, repairing when there's a rupture, and really prioritizing the relationship more. But we can't do that if we're that dysregulated. And there's a mindlessness around this dysregulation. I'm trying to bring everyone a mindfulness, which means we're aware of ourselves. Healthy people are aware of themselves. Healthy people know what their work is. They track this. Oh, there I am being too sensitive. I'm working on that. There I am being too reactive. Let me work on that. We want to bring a mindfulness. Most people are mindlessly on autopilot, just doing the same things over and over, reinforcing the same habits and patterns. It's really hard. It's really problematic. And we don't want to be around those people. All right, we're going to come back and start moving into uh, what then is the solution? What's the work? So stick around for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back. 
Talking about self-regulation, um, how to kind of have more mindfulness and be more aware of ourselves and not ruin relationships. Because just to round out why this is so important is when we're dysregulated, we're not going to be, we're not going to be, uh, our responses and our thinking aren't going to be accurate. When we're highly aroused, which is a strange word because some people think of arousal in terms of like eroticism, and it's not. It's a system arousal, meaning we're overwhelmed, we're overloaded, we're activated, we're getting kind of angry, frustrated. That's arousal psychologically and nervous system. Um, fight or flight. So when we're highly aroused, right, we're, we're dysregulated, we're angry, we're upset, we're disappointed, we're frustrated, um, we're going to be very emotionally sensitive and we're going to start making a lot of judgments. And that's why it's important because those judgments are usually about I'm right, you're wrong, and we kind of drift away from what the point is, which is I'm talking to someone I care about and I'm really harming them in the relationship in this moment over something stupid like were you supposed to be here at seven or seven fifteen, or whether or not you remember something accurately? It's like, wow, you're really taking that all the way. You're really going to die on that hill. That's what happens when we're dysregulated. We go into fight mode. We're we're going to fight. Our brain saying, you know, handle this, and we're not being relational, and we're actually being anti-relational. We're harming the relationship, and we go into judgments. And that's not mindful. We're trying to be mindful. Judgments are mindless. Where Judgments are about making things right or wrong. And often it's just about a preference. Most of these things are just preferences. I would have preferred. I would have, you know, it's about us being disappointed or let down. But we make it about the fact we act as though we were harmed. And we make it about right and wrong. And that's rarely at all what we're talking about. And here's the kick. A lot of the times you could have a calm, soothing conversation and just ask your partner, hey, this is how I interpreted that. Is that what you meant? This is how I felt as a result of that. Is that what you wanted? In theory, a lot of the time we could just turn and lovingly say, hey, is what I'm seeing or thinking accurate? Let me check in on it with you, which is an important relational skill. Asking the person if this is what they meant. Sharing with the person your, your assumptions or your interpretations. And then when they correct it by saying, oh, no, no, that's not at all what I meant, you update your feelings based on the new reality. You don't go, okay, well, I'm just going to hold on to my false reality, even though you corrected it and I'm still going to be mad. It's like, grow up. When someone says, no, this is actually what I intended. We update our feelings around that. We go, oh, okay, yeah, well, I was feeling really bad because I had decided for you that what it meant was A, B, and C, and D. I asked you, because I'm an adult, what it really meant. You corrected it. Good to go. Let's go have fun. And you, But again, going back to the other words, that's called not being sensitive, not being reactive, and coming back down to zero very quickly. You were sensitive. You were upset. Instead of being highly reactive, you checked in and asked what was going on, what they meant, what their intention was, and then you get back down to zero. We're going to talk about more tools in a minute, but I want to bring in that relational piece. If you can ask the person what they meant or what they intended, do it calmly. And then if they correct you and you realize, oh, my interpretation was wrong, update your feelings, update your responses, say, oh, okay, cool. But a lot of people won't do that. They'll decide for the other person what they meant. They'll buy into their own interpretation and then off and off and running, they go with those feelings. Um, it's better if we don't do that. We just sit tight ask because remember our brains have a negativity bias it will always our brains will always go for a negative interpretation our brain our brains are very catastrophizing so they're going to crank the intensity up and the, and our brains always personalize things and so we have to challenge those thinking saying is it a negative intention was it something that was personal and about me and is my response out of line with the severity of what actually happened it's a lot of work but we have to do this Healthy people automatically do this. They're raised in families where this was modeled and demonstrated for them, where they were in social groups where people were very regulated. And then they were with other adults that also did this work. Like people do this, but we have to step into, so we have to step into more of it.
because a lot of relationships and marriages and all sorts of things happen as a result of that. And, and as we've kind of talked about on the show before as well, a lot of times um, people aren't even really expressing or feeling from a true, honest, primary emotion. They're feeling from a secondary emotion, which is usually anger and reaction. And they're not feeling from the primary emotion, which would usually be softer. Like, hey, my feelings were hurt. If you're hurt, if your feelings are hurt, you should be sad. You should be soft. There should be wounding. You shouldn't be angry. But we often go to anger for everything. You disappoint me, I'm angry. You let me down, I'm angry. I'm embarrassed, I'm angry. It's like, that's not honest. That's a secondary emotion. That's a cover. Go to the primary wound. If someone says something that hurt your feelings, you should be soft and sad. You know, if someone let you down, disappointed you, you should be soft and sad. It should be like, wow, that really hurt. You know, that really felt bad. Oh, I didn't like that. But we go to anger as our response for everything because we don't feel safe being soft and sensitive. We don't feel safe expressing to someone that they hurt us or let us down. That's part of this. Staying connected to them, expressing to them vulnerably what it is that you felt or, or the assumptions you're making or the meaning that was made out of it and having them weigh in on that and letting and asking them, is that what you intended? Is that what you meant? Should I feel that way? Bringing them into it versus deciding for them and mind reading and you deciding for them what something meant or what it was about. We don't want to do that. <clears throat> and some of you will see patterns where it's the same triggers that keep coming up. Work on those. The issue isn't that you were triggered. The issue is that your response is so severe when being triggered. Work on watering that down, soothing that, and resolving that a little bit. That's very important. Um, also important is when we come back, we're going to do some DMs. And then after that, we're going to get back to talk about, but how do we self-regulate? How do we self-soothe? Um, so stick around for that. But DM's coming up next. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back. And now it's time to slide into those DM's. Sliding into the DM's. All right. This one's a long one. Hang in there with me. It says, hey, Dr. Chris, a friend of mine who is a mother has began dating again after leaving a three-year relationship. Lately, myself and her family have felt as if she's been neglecting her responsibilities. She'll go out multiple nights a week, often getting home very, very late, leaving her daughter at home to be cared for by other people in the household. I feel that whenever I'm hanging out with her, I'm, in, I'm enabling the behavior even further. We've noticed her daughter's becoming more reactive. The daughter even slapped my friend in the face. I tried to approach my friend in a kind way, but I find myself distancing because I don't know how else to handle it. Seems as if my friend does not seem she's dropping the ball. Is there a way to handle this or do I leave it alone? You know, questions often come in that are basically saying, how do I change someone else's behavior? How do I change their thinking? How do I change their perspective? How do I change their behavior? And the answer is we can't always. And the answer is sometimes we shouldn't try. We don't always know what's better for someone else. Now, when someone brings up a question like this where there are children involved or other people that are dependent and it's negatively impacting them, then I do think it's reasonable to weigh in. Um, you know, that's part of being a caring person in someone's life is you help look out for them and what's important to them. And if you care about someone, you do lovingly point out some things they might not be noticing or thinking about or taking into account, and you try to help them, you know, prevent harm. I'm all about harm reduction. Um, some, sometimes we're going to drink or drug and we think they should stop, but they're not ready. Some people might have disordered relationship around food or their body and we think they need to heal and they're not ready and they need us to stick around and be in their life anyway. We are, we are not letting people hit rock bottom. We are not enabling by sticking around in people's lives. Quite the opposite. We're helping them save their life by sticking around people's people's problematic behavior will get worse 
when everyone abandons them. So when someone's struggling with drugs and alcohol or mental health or disordered eating or whatever it is, they need us more than ever. We don't abandon people when things are difficult. It's not about us. So when someone's like, oh, but it's hard watching them you know, struggle. What, you have to sit there for a few minutes feeling uncomfortable? It's not your life. You're not the one dealing with all the problems. Calm down. So we, we, we set boundaries and we take care of ourselves, but we need to be there for people. We don't leave because it's harder they're struggling. That's horrible. So your friend needs you. You know, it's hard to see that. I get it. But that they're, they're more, there's more to them than that. You don't cut out because there's a part of them that's hard for you to watch. If you don't want to watch, don't watch. Tell them I don't want to hear about your dating stuff. It triggers me. Because if someone's behavior triggers us, our work is to calm down, not try to change them. But again, this is someone who also has young children that are impacted. So I really want you to stick around. You might be the only person that's like, hey, what time did you get in? I wonder how, that, how your daughter felt about that. It looks like your daughter's struggling. But you don't want to become an adversary. You don't want to pick a fight around it. You want to partner with them and help them understand what's going on. So I would always enter from the place of, how are you? Are you okay? And if they seem like they're okay and they feel like they're okay, well, then there's not really much we can do. Um, as long as the children are being cared for and you said other people in the household are, well, then maybe they're not an ideal mother, but you know, it's not for us to decide what an ideal mother does. It's not for us to challenge a mother and tell them they're not doing good at mothering. I don't know what's going on for them, but this is feeling very important to them and they're prioritizing romance, which I understand. Yes, I wish they put more attention on their family, um, but they do need you to stick around because that's really your question. Your question was, do I leave or do I stay? And my answer is you stay. And when people are going through things that are hard for them, we stay. When people need our advice, we stay. You know, when people are doing things we don't like, we stay. We don't leave when things are hard. And I will always come back to that. Um, and if you want to set a boundary and say, I don't want to hear about your dating life, it's triggering for me. You have a right to do that. But I'd rather you learn how to calm down and be present in their life and also helping them set boundaries and also helping them hopefully think outside of themselves and understand that as a mom or anyone in a relationship with anyone of any kind, that a lot of the things we do will impact the health of those around us. And so you do want to help her understand that she's impacting the kids and what that impact might be and try to motivate her to be a better influence on them. So that's in there, but you can't do that if you, if you peace out because things are tough. So stick around, hold up a mirror and keep lovingly letting them see the consequences of what they're doing and know that not everyone's ready to step into action. Some people are in contemplation. They need to build up more motivation and more information that things need to change before they're ready to do it. Just because someone sees that change is needed doesn't mean they're ready to step into action. The stages of change don't work like that, but what does is when we have forces and individuals that stick around and help motivate us. So don't go anywhere, they need you more. All right, well, you, we got more to come. If you got a question for us or a topic, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Um, we are channelq.com. It's where you wanna go to check out past episodes of the show. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, we listen and share. Lots of good stuff because we gotta unlearn and relearn. Otherwise, we'll be back, y'all. You're listening to Loveline. Channel Q wants to fly you and a guest to Vegas to see the supreme diva, Diana Ross. The iconic Miss Ross returns for a limited engagement at the Win Las Vegas. September 21 to October 1st, head over to wearechannelq.com and you can win airfare for two, two-night hotel stay at the Win Las Vegas, plus upfront seats at the Encore Theater. Head over to We Are Channel Q and enter for your chance to win. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about self-regulation, emotional health, relational health, mental health. They all coincide. It's probably the biggest determinant of someone's health, you know, is how they manage disappointment, frustration, triggers. Because as I said earlier in the show, when things are good, it's good. When things are easy, it's easy. It doesn't count. Enjoy. But it's when it's hard that we really show what we're made of and uh, how safe we are to be around. So we're self-assessing. And just to kind of recap quickly, 
we were talking about the three important factors, sensitivity, reactivity, and time to balance, equilibrium or zero. So sensitivity is how easily are you made upset? How easy is it? How often is it that something's upsetting to you? When you're upset, reactivity means how big is your response? Is your response appropriate and aligned with the severity of what actually has happened? And finally, time to balance means how long does it take you to chill out? <laughs> does the whole day ruin the whole morning, the whole week? Or are you able to say, okay, that was a hard moment moving on. That's the work. And then we were just talking about the fact that, you know, hopefully you can check in on your partner. If it's something that they might've done or said, Hey, this is what meaning I'm making out of it. This is what I felt your intentions were. Is that true? And then you update based on the information they give you because we're in healthy relationships with people that wouldn't try to harm us. And so we trust what they're telling us. If not, you need some work on that relationship where you got to get out because this is, that's always the assumption that you're with someone who truly does care about you, that you trust. And if not go work on those trust issues before you can even start to do this because we're trying to be more mindful, more aware of ourselves, not mind less. Um, we're always wanting to prioritize the relationship over being right, being correct and all of that. So put the relationship first, always track how's this impacting this other person and the relationship. Cause that matters. We're not just getting it out to get it out. That's not mental health. When you just say it to say it, healthy people always uh, pay attention to impact. All right, y'all. So, uh, how do we self soothe? That is the million dollar question. Well, the first thing is you have to just be practicing this. So that's the, that's the framework I want to kind of give everyone. You got to be willing to do the work and practice it. And you got to practice it when it's hardest. That's when it matters most and when it's most needed. So, um, you know, be willing to practice. But the first thing is <clears throat> you have to just first identify that this is happening. And I want you to give a word to your experience. That's how we start to bring our executive functioning back online. And we're out of our reactivity and impulsivity saying, all right, I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling sad, giving it a correct label. Cause a lot of times people go right to angry. I'm angry. Well, wait a minute. I disappointed you. So you're, you're disappointed or I did something that made you sad. I hurt your feelings. You're sad. We have to identify the correct primary emotion. Anger is rarely the correct response. So you have to really first label what just happened. What am I really feeling? I'm sad. I'm embarrassed. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm let down. I'm frustrated. Those are all very soft emotions. I can feel the difference in my body versus saying I'm angry. Wait a minute. You, you expected me to wish you happy birthday and I didn't. You're angry. Anger is for violence or injustice or harm. You weren't harmed and, and violence or injustice didn't happen. You were disappointed or frustrated or, um, you feel bad. Those are soft emotions. You hurt my feelings. Go soft, go with the primary emotion. So we have to label it first. What is the most honest, accurate feeling that applies to what just happened? Just like, again, I always use this example. If I'm walking down the neighborhood and someone backs out of their driveway and almost hits me, I should be scared because I almost got hit by a car, not angry. Anger is the secondary emotion, not the most honest, appropriate one. I should be scared. I almost got hit. I'm scared. You scared me. And that will also bring forth from the other person the real response I need for someone to be like, oh my God, I'm really sorry. I almost hit you. Are you okay? Where if I go to anger, they go to anger. And now we're not even living in the real emotion and we're not going to process or really resolve what happened. Go to the first emotion, label it correctly. If nothing else, just take that from today's show. I have to start identifying the right feelings. A lot of us make everything about anger, especially people that are male identified. That's all they know. They don't know how to say I'm scared. I'm embarrassed. I was let down. I was disappointed. Then 
it helps some people. Some people can skip over this step, but for some people, it helps for them to also locate it in their body. Where am I feeling that in my body? And as you notice, this is all about slowing down, not being impulsive or reactive, being thoughtful. Again, the word is mindful, not mindless. We're not on autopilot anymore, engaging in the same habitual patterns and responses that have gotten us into trouble in the past. So we're labeling it again, which is, there's always like a dual function. We're labeling it so that we can actually respond appropriately to the real feeling. But in labeling it, we're also bringing in our thinking. We're going out of emotion and reactivity and into thought. So it's a dual purpose. We're going from our emotional brain to our rational brain. Then we go into our body. Where am I feeling this? Slowing it down more, deeper embodying it. But the most important part of all this, the most vital part, the part that really takes us to the next level, the part that really moves us forward, If nothing else, this is the most meaningful part. We're going to talk about it when we come back. (laughs) It's a cliffhanger. But it's really the one thing that I use over and over. You might have heard it on the show before, maybe not. But it's the one thing, if nothing else, that I'd want you to take forward and practice. We're going to come back and talk about that. And then uh, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit. Circle back, drop deeper into, put them in the DMs, and uh, pass episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff, so head on over there for that. Otherwise, you'll stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around because we got more to come. All right, y'all, we're back talking about self-soothing and self-regulation. So again, we're checking in on how sensitive we are, how reactive we are, how long it takes us to chill out and get back down to zero. But steps to self-soothe and get to zero is first we label appropriately what we're feeling. Anger is rarely the answer. Anger is reserved for violence, harm, injustice. And someone almost running over at their car is fear. We should be scared. Someone forgetting our birthday should make us sad, feel sad or lonely or disappointed. Like these are softer primary feelings and that's usually what it is. Check in on that, have the right label so you can really process what exactly is you're feeling. If we go to anger, we're often running in the wrong direction and we're not gonna get our needs met. Then we locate it in our body. But the most important part is right sizing it. Is my response and reaction appropriate to the level of severity of what happened. It is on a scale of zero to 10. I bring this up often. Anything five and above is for violence, injustice, and harm. Most of the time, for a lot of us, thankfully, our lives are a zero to five. We're disappointed. We're frustrated. We're sad. We're lonely. We're embarrassed. Okay, crank it down. Someone forgot your birthday, you're disappointed. That's a two or a three. We shouldn't be cranking it up to a six or seven as though someone, you know, harmed our pet or, you know, I don't want to really trigger anyone by giving examples, but that's for harm and violence. You know, someone spray painting a swastika on your house because they're, you know, anti-Jewish. That, that's a six or a seven. Someone burning down your church, six or a seven. Someone taking a gun to a grade school, six or a seven, a nine or a 10 or 15. But that's not the same thing as someone forgetting your anniversary. That's very disappointing. That's a two or a three. Someone looking at someone and flirting a little longer than you're comfortable with. Two or three, we're disappointed, we're frustrated, we're embarrassed, we're upset. Those are lower level things. You gotta check the intensity. Road rage, a two or three. Someone cut you off in your car. Okay, yeah, that's disappointing. Two or three. You got to the supermarket and they're out of what you wanted. Or you get to the restaurant hungry for something, they don't have it anymore. Two or three. Got to movies, they were sold out. Two or three. 
Most of the things in our lives are lower level. We have to right size it. Is our reaction appropriate based on the level of severity of what happened? And oftentimes the answer is no. We are dramatizing the heck out of what's going on. And then finally, yes, even if we think we are the wounded party, we are paying attention to our impact on the other in our response. If someone let us down by forgetting our birthday, we don't just blow through the relationship and harm them. We right-size the feeling, I'm disappointed. Okay, identified the feeling, I'm bummed. I right-sizing it, it's like a two or three. It happens all the time. Okay, maybe a four at best. And then we don't harm the, the other person in our processing, we have empathy. You know, let me talk to you about what happened. You forgot my birthday, it often happens. It makes me feel very bad. Can we talk about it? Stay connected, stay relational. That upsetment is because you care. Let yourself acknowledge, I care. That's why this is so hurtful. Let's talk about it. Let's find a way to resolve so we can stay close and connected. I will always hold you accountable to acting from your values and your integrity. I don't care what someone's done to you. It doesn't mean that you can let yourself off the hook and engage in poor behavior. In fact, I'll say to clients, I'm watching a videotape and I'm editing out the other person and I'm looking at everything you're saying and doing and I'm holding you accountable to what you're saying and doing. It doesn't matter what they did. Be better than that. I see that happening a lot with breakups. People are, are disappointed that they were broken up with. You can be disappointed. You can't be mad. And then they put the other person on blast and they gossip and poorly talk about them. Okay, that's now you creating harm and abuse. You have now engaged in violence. And that is not reasonable as a result of you being disappointed. <clears throat> we have to hold ourselves accountable to our reactions and responses. Because we are demonstrating our mental health to others. And we're instigating and making things worse. And more importantly, we're practicing really bad relational skills, and we are really reinforcing dysregulation and making it okay. So ask yourself, again, what am I feeling? What's the appropriate response based on what happened? And five and above is for violence, injustice, and harm. And rarely that's what we're talking about. But if that is the case, then crank it up. A six or seven or an eight or a nine or 10 is warranted for some really problematic life events. But you see it all the time in these memes. Someone's upset that McDonald's ice cream machine's broken again. All right, you're disappointed. Nothing bad happened. No one is wrong. You're disappointed. That's a two or three, but people are climbing through the window. They're attacking the person at the front register. And it's like, dear God in heaven, they think violence is an appropriate response to a disappointment because they're dysregulated. That is not a healthy person to have any kind of relationship with. That's how they react around things like that. I see these memes. It's completely wild and ridiculous. Um, anywho, so ask yourself that, like, where, where am I always mislabeling my emotions and making everything anger? Am I not right sizing it? And everything is this very dramatic catastrophizing response. And then it goes back to the other question. Are you too sensitive, too reactive? And how long does it take it, but get back down to zero? All these things are overlapping concentric circles that kind of like, boop, you got to do all the work. And then when we come back, we're going to start talking about, um, some of the more peripheral secondary things we can do to soothe. Because sometimes it isn't about an interaction with another person. Sometimes it's about us with ourselves. And we got bad news, or we got a difficult email or text message, or our thinking is a little off. And then the question is, okay, what I just talked about, the labeling it, checking in on your body, right-sizing it, acknowledging the impact we have on others, that's not relevant if it's a dysregulation within ourselves and we're not in relationship in the moment to someone else and it's not within the context of being with someone else. What do we do when it's us on our own and we have to just self-soothe? That's what we're going to come back and talk about because there's a few resources we want to really build in and practice because we want to have access to them when we need them. And um, we have a few things we can always do. And as I always say, the more you 
practice something, the more accessible it is to you, the more you'll be able to use it when you need it. But if you don't practice it when you're needing it most, you're not going to think to use it or it's not going to work. And that's the struggle is in these moments, we have to have access to these thoughts that I'm sharing with you, these tools. And the more we practice it, especially with the lower level things, then we can practice it with middle level things. And then we get better at practicing with really difficult things and it will save your mental health. It will get you through some really tough times, especially the right sizing it. Cause I see that people losing their, losing their stuff at a restaurant over service taking too long or them being out of an ingredient or something that's like, yo, okay, it's a two or three, calm down. And then you see their kids and you're like, great, look what you're modeling for your children. You're teaching them, you know, very dysregulated responses and it's a mess. But, um, all right, we're going to come back and talk more about it. So, uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we are back and we're just finishing up our discussion around self-soothing and self-regulation. And earlier in the show, we were talking about, you know, when you're in relationship to someone. And when I say that, I mean, you are standing there in the context of hanging with someone, talking with someone, you're in relationship to a, you know, a barista or a colleague or a family member and something comes up and we want to work on labeling what we're feeling appropriately, having our response be right-sized. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're going to talk about what do you do if you're just having a hard day? You're all by yourself. You're all alone. You're not in the context of spending time with someone, something distressing came up on the news. You get a difficult email or you're just really being hard on yourself. We want to know what we can do to self-soothe and we want to practice these things so that we have access to them when they're needed. Otherwise your mind isn't going to jump to this list. It's not going to be accessible or powerful. And so these are the things you want to build in consistently, always applying this work. So there's a couple of things we can do. There's the more general and then there's the more somatic based resources, somatic meaning body based resources. So the general things are, um, it's all the S's. It's kind of an acronym. The first one is social. When you're feeling dysregulated, having a hard day, call someone, connect with someone to either literally process it or to say, hey, distract me, take my mind off it, make me laugh. You can say to them, I need you to weigh in on the severity of what's happening. I think I'm dramatizing this. Is this really a big deal? Like that's really healthy to say to a friend, do a little reality testing. This is how I'm feeling. Is this, is this real? And hopefully your friend will say, you sound angry. You're at an eight. sounds more like you were a little bit disappointed. That's a three. It's a lower level thing. It's not that big of a deal. And you're like, oh, thank you for checking in. Thank you for checking me on that. Thank you. We all have to have access to that friend where they'll say, okay, crank it down. We don't want to have those friends that are always like, yeah, you're right. You know, slash their car, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh my God, move away from that friend. Remove that friend. Go to the friend that when you call them, they'll soothe you and they'll say, let's talk it out. That's not really rooted in reality. That's very catastrophized or that's not my experience. And you can really hear that. We want a friend that can reflect back reality and soothe us. So social is the first thing we can do to self-soothe. Even sometimes it's not about processing. It's not always good to talk about things. Sometimes we need to break away from things. We want to just laugh, talk about something else. And you'll call and say, I need a distraction. Tell me about your day. Sometimes we need a break from talking about things, which means feeling them and thinking about them. We ruminate. The other S is senses. Use your senses. Smelling, tasting, hearing, looking at things. Go look at something soothing. Yes, truly. Look through a photo album. Look through some photography. Play music. Have some soothing sounds in your head. Senses, feeling. Go take a bath. Go hug yourself, go hug someone, roll up on the couch and, and hug a blanket or a pillow. 
What we hear, what we see, what we smell, what we taste can be a resource to ground us. I love essential oils. I have grapefruit that brings me a little joy and puts a smile on my face when I'm having a hard day. A few drops in my hand and I sniff them. I also have lavender, another thing I use to soothe me. The association is soothing. I'll play soothing music, smell a little lavender, sometimes look through a photo album or a photography book of some of my favorite artists which soothe me. It's a way to, to um, biohack your body. Something in the world or in your thought process is, is dysregulating, upsetting you, and you do these things to challenge that. So the S is social, senses. Another one is spiritual. Pray. Center yourself in your values and your ethics. Ask yourself what a higher power would do. Ask yourself what the spiritual response should be. Go to some form of spirituality. That is really important to a lot of people. For me, a lot of Eastern philosophy is what I turn to to help me through difficult times and has literally saved my life in very difficult times. Learning how to let go and accept difficult feelings and emotions. Using meditation when it's most needed, not in the morning when I wake up. Applying the tools and skills of meditation in difficult moments by being mindful with myself, staying in the present moment walking myself through. So this S is again, social senses, using your senses, powerful stuff, spirituality, tapping into it. Finally, self-talk, talk yourself down, have a conversation with yourself. Here's what I'm telling myself. This isn't really accurate. I know better than that. I know that that's not what's happening. Get good at talking to yourself, have a conversation with yourself, talk yourself down, talk yourself through it. And then we move into the more somatic resources. What, what are things we can use our bodies to do to ground and soothe ourselves when we're having a difficult mental health moment or a difficult mental health day? And the first one is movement. Sometimes you need to just move your body. You can sometimes feel that. I feel like I need to get up. I need to walk around a little bit. Okay, walk around the room a little bit or do some jumping jacks, dispel and discharge some of that energy. Maybe you wanna talk, but you wanna go for a walk while we talk. Whatever your body's needing, honor that. Don't battle it. Don't say, I need to sit still. I need to quiet down. No, if your body feels like it needs to move or to do a movement, go with it. Go for a walk. Sometimes people are having a panic attack and they need to do push-ups on the ground or push-ups against the wall or jumping jacks. Whatever your body needs to do, do it. And then sometimes it's the opposite. We use our bodies where we need to settle and we use our breath. Breath is one of the most accessible, easiest, and pretty much the only ways to really regulate our nervous system when we're feeling dysregulated. Slow down your breathing and deepen your breathing. That will slow down your thinking and your system. Sometimes we need movement. Sometimes we need to slow ourselves down with our breath. Practice both. And then finally, postures. Whole opening your body up by pulling your shoulders up and back can be a way to open up and lifting our head up. You know that we can literally assume a position of feeling grounded by planting our feet firmly on the ground and feeling the ground under our feet. At times I notice I put my put hands down on the table and I just feel the table. I just kind of feel how firm the ground and the table is and we just plant ourselves in the moment. We have to practice these things, like I said, so we have access to them when we need them. All right, we're gonna come back and we're gonna do some DMs, so stick around for that. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, stick around y'all, we got more to come. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back. Now we got some DMs. All right, y'all. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, let's see this. Dear Dr. Chris... I've been chatting with a guy. Isn't that the famous last words? I'm almost sure we hit it off. Only problem is this is through a dating app and sometimes it's three to four days until he responds. It's always very nice and respectful. Just don't know how pushy I should be to figure out more convenient way to stay in better contact. Yes, see, here's the thing. I appreciate where people will say things like, oh, well, if they were interested, they'd reach back out. But sometimes people are living their lives. Sometimes people are like, they're off working and traveling and having fun and they're not glued to their phone. People that are glued to their phone don't understand other people that are actually just participating in their lives. I want us to all be unglued from our phone. I want us to all be unreachable by phone for hours because we leave it in the car, because we have it on silent, because we stuck it in a drawer at home and we're actually watching a movie or going for a walk. Leave your phone at home. Leave it on silent. Don't take it with you. Don't be reachable every hour on the hour. I'm not, I've worked so hard to not be trapped by my phone. I'm not, I'm not accessible for hours at a time. I don't work in crisis. I don't need to be, I don't have small children. And if you do, then you might need to be looking at it differently. But for those that don't let it go truly. So this person might really like you, but they might be number one, living their life. Number two, they might not know you. So you shouldn't be a priority. And they're putting all these other things first. Number three, as they should, maybe they're talking to a whole bunch of other people as well because they're single. And dating is about exploring with multiple people to see if any of them are right for a relationship. However, you like them. Interested people like signs of interest. So guess what? If they like you too, they will love any demonstration of interest. So ask for their phone number. Hey, 
I'd love to keep up in better contact. Here's my number. Send me a text. Bam. Good to know whether or not they're that interested because if they don't do it, they're not that interested. If they are, they'll hit you up and you'll learn more about their life and you realize maybe they work long hours. Maybe they have a face fronting job where they can't be on their phone. Maybe they have kids that they're spending time with. Maybe they're traveling. It's often a good sign when they're out in the world doing things. And when someone doesn't know us that well, especially in the beginning on an app, they shouldn't be always glued to it. So it's not a bad sign that they're not as reachable as you want them to be, but you need to put yourself out there. You're right. They might not hand you directly something that tells you that they're available and interested in you. You might need to go into the vulnerability of saying, here's my number. When can we spend time together? Set a plan to get on the phone, set a plan to FaceTime, set a plan to meet up, do all the things. But I appreciate that they're not glued to their phone. And based on how they respond to your overt active attempts to see them, it tells you everything. Like I said, send them your number. If they're interested, they'll hit you up. And then once you're texting a little bit, be like, hey, can you FaceTime tonight? Can you FaceTime tomorrow? Get them on FaceTime. And better yet, say, what are you doing Friday night? Let's go to dinner at seven. Make an actual concrete plan. I don't care if you're a guy or girl or trans or non-binary. Everyone is expected to show desire and interest. Everyone. It is not 1972. We are no longer playing these gendered games of girls are passive and receptive and guys have to do all the work. It doesn't work like that anymore. Grow up. So put yourself out there. Demonstrate interest. Make plans. Say, let's do this on Saturday. And if they're like, I can't, say, how about Sunday? And if, they, and if they come up with a plan or they reschedule, they're interested. If they say that sounds great, they're interested. If they text when you give them your number, they're interested. Other than that, keep talking to other people. You're single. You're single. Give them a healthy amount of competition by you talking to the other necessary people. Not competition in a manipulative game playing way, but in competition as in you're considering all your options. Dating is to see if we're right for a relationship. Dating is not the relationship. So be talking and seeing multiple people. It also takes the pressure off of that one. When we're only talking to one person, we put all of our eggs in that basket, we overwhelm, we pressurize, we stress, it's too much. So this will be good for you. Um, all right, y'all, that is our show. Worry not. You can check out past episodes, and I think you should, over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. And that's important because we need repetition. We have to constantly be reminded of how we want to think and who we want to be. So we need that repetition. Um, Got to unlearn and relearn. And then if you have any questions for us, put it in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. That's for questions, topics, things you want us to circle back or drop deeper into. Sometimes I might not spend enough time on a topic or I might hit it really quickly or not explain it to a level of depth. So put that all in the DMs. And um, yeah, because I want you to get your needs met. You're helping other people out as you're helping yourself. And it's always anonymous, always confidential. Anything that falls under the rubric of mental health, psychology. Uh, check out my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. We'll answer a lot of your questions. Really good stuff over there. But um, otherwise... Working 70%. We don't want to be living in burnout. We're prioritizing rest, leisure, and fun. Oh, yes, a pleasure-centered life. Drop the bar for yourself and those around you. Thanks for hanging out, y'all. The iconic Ms. Ross is returning for a limited engagement at the Win Las Vegas, and Channel Q wants to send you and a guest to see her perform. Head over to wearechannelq.com and enter for your chance to win two-night hotel stay at the Win, airfare for two, and upfront seats at the theater. Just head over to We Are Channel Q and enter for your chance to win. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 